Hey everybody, it's Kenzie here. Thank you all so much for listening to our show. We are very excited to announce a little update. Our first pieces of merch! If you head over to our website, QueerPG.com, you can check out all our new stuff. We have QueerPG logo stickers and pins, and something fun for season one. We have a wild more High Wyverns notebooks. They come in three different designs, so head over there to check it out. If you're a patron listening to this episode early, these notebooks will go on sale on Monday. Everybody else listening, they're on sale now. We are selling these through Society6, so if you go to our website, under the shop tab, you'll see the notebook. Clicking on it will redirect you so that you can purchase. Again, thank you guys so much for your support, and enjoy the episode. everybody, my name is Kenzie Tartaglioni, I use she, her pronouns, and I'm your master of ceremonies. Hey, I'm Brennan Hershaw, I go by he, him pronouns, and I play Sawyer Hook. I'm April Consolo, my pronouns are she, her, and I play Ivy Duncan. Hey there, I'm Mads McDonough, I use he, him pronouns, and I play Caleb Moore. And welcome to Wildmore High. This episode includes alcohol, underage drinking, implied drug use, blood, and graphic descriptions of gore. Caleb and Ivy had taken Sam to the emergency room because they had stage-dived on Sawyer's um, urging and had smashed their nose in. Ivy had then returned to the party, and upon returning, Alina had run from somewhere else within the quarry and had been screaming about something happening, looking disheveled. And as she lets out the words of, I think he's dead. There's an elongated moment of pause, hesitation, silence, sweaty bodies breathing in unison. The swirl of clouds accumulating above lose their tension and start to dissipate. There's a crack of lightning. Alina is frozen in a state of shock and confusion and indecision. The black streaks on her cheeks lit from underneath, creating a visage like something from a horror movie. She breaks the silence, throwing her shirt clenched fist out to the side. Don't just stand there, Damien! Call your dad! Her voice breaks the tension into a panic. People start scattering, leaving empty cups and bottles littering the quarry, tripping over one another in their rush to either get as far away from this supposed dead body as they can, or to make sure they're as far away from the vicinity as possible before any type of authority arrives. You see and hear Damien as he quickly closes the distance to Alina, pulling out his phone. All right, all right, but show me first so I can tell him where exactly to go. I'm not going back there. Then what the hell am I supposed to do then, Alina? The fence, okay? The fence is cut, she says, pointing up to the opposite side of where everyone had entered the quarry. Just go through it, it's back in the woods. 
Okay, yeah, that's really helpful, thank you. He responds curtly, but starts up, the new kid Pharaoh following close behind, hand shoved deep into their pocket. Ivy, in this moment of, of confusion and chaos, your phone goes off, and it's a text from Mama Hook, and it says, Ivy, just wanted to check in, is Sawyer okay? Initially, when Alina came out, she had an urge to go to her, help her, comfort her friend. But as people started to scatter, she found that she couldn't approach. Her dads had always taught her that protecting their secret was the most important thing. She couldn't risk being implicated in something like this. So even as Alina continued to cry, she turns away. She looks around to see if Sawyer's in the scattering people. Sawyer is like leaning over the bar, holding on with his palms, just trying to like get his bearings and, and steady himself. Probably looks rough, but a, maybe a little bit more conscious than when you last left him. A hand slaps you on your back and it's number 36. He goes, dude, don't just stand there like an idiot. Go get out while you can. And then he takes off, um, abandoning the bar. And Ivy, as you, like, look to Sawyer, you see that there is a large dick drawn across his forehead. Sawyer runs forward and loses his footing and instantly falls, like, scratching up his elbows and is starting to pull himself back up. Ivy chooses to go to one friend instead of another and runs to Sawyer and picks him up. Go! We gotta get out of here! Come on! Okay, yes, I'm- Look, your mom is freaking out, alright? You need to text her or something, okay? I told her that we were at my house- I feel like she knows that something weird is going on, but we need to get out of here first, okay? What? Did you call my mom? No, she called me. But look, let's just get out of here first, all right? What the hell's going on, Ivy? I don't know. Something really scary, but we can't be here right now. Where's Caleb? Caleb's at the hospital still, hopefully. Look, it's been a long fucking night, Sawyer, and I just need you to do this for me right now, okay? Can you stand? Yeah, uh, yeah, I can stand. Ivy, like, puts her arm under his shoulders to help support him. Come on, let's go. Ivy, Ivy. What? And Sawyer will look off in the direction that was pointed where the, the cut fence is and look back to you. I can't find Adam anywhere. Ivy, like, looks up to the sky. When was the last time you saw him? When I first arrived. I mean, you wouldn't, you don't think. Sawyer, I'm sure Adam is taking care of himself. He's the only person he takes care of. We have to go. Okay, and I'll scuttle along with you, probably losing footing every now and then and leaning onto you. You and Sawyer, quickly, as quickly as you can, shuffle yourselves out amongst the scattering kids who are leaving an absolute mess behind them, but the rules of the party have, have gone by the wayside at this point. You find yourself out at the entrance where you guys originally came in. The gates swung open. You can hear tires squealing as they peel down the road. You see people on bikes just pedaling as fast as possible to get away from here. You see people hightailing it on foot. And you guys are left standing there realizing that you don't have a ride. Man, good thing you got a car. Yeah, about that. Some fucker stole my car. I don't know. I don't know where it is. I don't know what's... <sighs> Um, get on my back. On your- Get, get, Sawyer. Ah. This is not, this isn't an argument that I'm having okay, with you right okay. now. Actually, I'm getting I need on, to do I'm, this, like, right, right this okay. fucking second. Okay, get on my back. back. Thank you. <sighs> Ivy, like, holds onto his legs with her arms and <laughs> just books it. Sawyer's holding onto your neck at times, like, onto your face, ripping your eyelids back, like, ah! <laughs> As you not so elegantly sprints with Sawyer back towards town, 
the night descending on you, this night that truly hasn't been anything that you set out for it to be. We flash forward. It didn't take 24 hours to go viral. But it wasn't from anyone's public Instagram or even the Finstas, though, Ivy. You have been able to scroll through a seemingly endless amount of debauchery of the night before its bloody turn. People counting on the expiring nature of stories to save them from any repercussions. But it wasn't any of that. Overnight, a brand new TikTok account cropped up titled Wildmore Secrets. The first post on this TikTok should have stopped anybody from going any further, stopped anybody from following. It actually should have been taken down immediately. It violated about every single community guideline that TikTok has, but they have yet to scrub it from their interface. But everybody has seen it at this point. A grisly, gory sight. It's a video of the camera pointing at the ground as somebody's running through the dark woods behind the quarry Grass becoming clear to see with points of moonlight drifting through the trees. Just green matted with sticky, wet blood everywhere. The mulch on the ground, the bark of the nearby trees, and then a body covered in it as well. The clothes are a mess, wrinkled and ripped. The camera gets closer, zooming in, and you see the top of a skull that is crushed distorting the features of a face. The sinew and bone of the neck is visible. Two puncture marks that look as if something had attached itself to the body and just ripped it open. There is glass sprinkled on the ground around the body. This is not an easy video to look at, but as always about the macabre, there's something that draws everybody's eyes to it. Even through the harsh damage that this body has incurred from the clothing that is left intact from the jawline that you can see you see the very much dead body of ryan bishop maybe not worse than that but something that ivy might have liked even less was that this tiktok continued to post videos of that night and ivy found herself on one it's a video that you had watched about a thousand times, almost ignoring the video and close-up of the dead body that had not yet been removed from TikTok. And backed by the song Boyfriend by Cameron Dove was a video that started zoomed out of the dance floor. And with a quick shift and a zoom in, a close-up of Naya and Ivy making out. And what made it even worse was the caption that read, Adam Moore could never. The contents are an array of people complaining about how this was an invasion of privacy that went ignored, a bunch of comments mentioning how Adam must feel about this, and Alina apparently coming out of her trauma response long enough to like it and comment HOT in all caps. You've also seen the video, Ivy, that is the reason that Caleb is currently sat down at the dining room table in his house. A rare occurrence of the Moore squad being in the same room at the same time. Your mother standing, hands on her hips, lips pursed, staring you down. I clearly remember you stating on the phone to me that I needn't be worried because that 
wasn't going to happen. And then not hours later, there you are being filmed, almost losing control. Adam is slouched in the chair next to you, looking rather worse for wear. Your father's eyes glance back and forth between his two sons. You've seen the video, Caleb, the way it captured the shift in your body from boy to animal, the way your shoulders hunched and it looked like your muscles bulged larger than they had any right to be, the way your eyes narrowed into slits and how your lips had pulled back into a snarl before you dove forward tackling Jack Horowitz to the ground. The video didn't pick up the length of your nails as you tore at his face, but it did pick up the nausea-inducing sound of cracking bone as your fist connected with his throat. He was in the hospital with a crushed windpipe, and the Horowitzes haven't completely dropped their threats of pressing charges, so your mother is working on avoiding that situation at any cost. You've also seen the unfortunate video that captured Sam's incident. They looked bad, standing, or more like swaying, up on the DJ booth. The video clearly shows Jordan trying to stop them before they took the leap into empty space and cracked their face against the ground. The caption is brutal. Guess you don't stage dive when you only have one friend. Where was Caleb Moore anyway? And you hear your dad. Adam received. There's a hesitation as if he doesn't know whether to speak this blatantly around everyone or not. Well, we might as well break the ice. Yes, the assumption that Adam would be the inheritor of the wolf has set you behind. But since you've returned to Wildmoor full-time, you've shown no drive to take over from Aunt Sarah. We have a little over three months to prepare you for the handing ceremony. And while the responsibility of taking physical care of the artifact is passing on from you, you still need to be prepared to provide all the checks and balances that being a member of the houses comes with. And if we still, now, have to be worried about your inability to control your anger and your transformation, then we are farther behind than we are comfortable with being. I cross my arms, lean back into the chair a little bit, look to the side at Adam. I want to fight my father's accusations that I am not in control. I want to tell my mother that she's wrong, and I was the one that was present all the time. There wasn't some other part of me. It was just me. Not to mention that they didn't prepare me for this. At least he said that. But he's not really acknowledging that they didn't prepare me for this. I was the spare. This isn't my fault. I didn't want this. This is stupid. This is bullshit. I hate this fucking family. I hate everything about this place. Now I'm stuck here forever. My out was being worthless to them. And it's gone. But instead, my eyes drift away from my perfect fallen older brother back to my father. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry, okay? It's too late to do anything about the video, even if we do get it taken down, but we can maybe brush it off as adrenaline and bad lighting. Yeah, I mean, people are stupid. They don't think about that stuff. It's not real. It'll be fine. I'm sorry. Sawyer, the boomerang-style video of someone drawing a dick on your forehead with blue marker is the least damning of any video posted on the TikTok. And though it feels humiliating, it doesn't necessarily bother you as much with the lifted weight of having ditched Kush and his crew. The one thing you find interesting, though, is that at the very end of this TikTok, you see 
somebody come in as if they're trying to stop the person drawing on your forehead. And you kind of see the side of a face that kind of looks like the new kid Pharaoh that you haven't really talked to at all. But they seem to have taken some sort of pity on your unconscious form. It has been radio silence from the crew. Nothing from White Widow or Sour Diesel. You thought if Oreos heard about it, he seemed supportive and he might reach out, but not a word. The unfortunate aftermath was the destruction of your room by your dad, urged on by your mother to find and throw away any contraband. You arriving back, still halfway to being high, your mother also halfway to intoxicated, just crying with worry when she heard what had happened, brought you in the house, let you rest, and then put on a full assault on your privacy, upending your room and throwing out what was left of your weed and the couple of pipes she found. And when she had found the switchblade, she had practically fainted. There is a, a tension in your house that you don't really remember ever feeling before. One of distrust coming at you from your parents. School had been canceled for a couple of days following the weekend and the police had been calling every single student in for questioning. Despite the social media blackout from everyone, a dead body did the job of exposing the quarry party and possibly putting an end to any in the future. Police had been stationed around the property to watch over the crime scene and to make sure no one tried to trespass again. Unfortunately, your last names didn't give you a break, and you all had your own interview with the police. Parents present, of course. Chief Evans is sitting across the table in one of the interrogation rooms from you, Sawyer. There were drugs at this party? Uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I look at my parents. Sawyer, your dad is standing directly behind you. You can feel his presence even without having to look, really. I think that's obvious, Chief Evans. What do you really want to ask my son? Sawyer, were you selling drugs at this party? Was I selling drugs? Yes. That's a no, that's an insane question to ask somebody my age. Where would I even get drugs? Kind of sits back. See his eyes glance up to your dad. Back to you. I might have had a little weed that I passed around. I think we're all smart enough in this room to know that weed was not the only thing. At this party. Am I, like, going to jail? That depends. Were you selling drugs at this party? Sawyer, like, audibly pushes down a gulp. You feel your dad's hand on your shoulder. This feels like a time in which we need legal presence here. And Chief Evans says, if that's what you feel needs to happen, then we can postpone this for a later date. I'm just trying to get the lay of the land to see what led to Ryan Bishop's death. I don't know anything about that. Sure, I, I had some fun, but I didn't have anything to do with his death. Caleb, you find yourself in one of these rooms with tiled floors, tiled ceiling, metal table. Your mother is in the room with you, as Chief Evans point blank says, Where were you at the time of the murder? And your mother says, Excuse me, that's rather... And he cuts her off. There's a video of him assaulting another student, Sharon. It is a perfectly applicable question. Caleb... Where were you at the time of the incident? I, um, I, I, I was, I look at my mom shakily. I, I was in the hos hospital. My friend got hurt and I went to the hospital with them. Okay. And your mother says, what was this about? And he says, 
we had an idea of where he was. We just needed him to confirm the story that we already think we knew. I didn't start that fight. The Horowitzes have yet to officially press charges, but if they do, we will be seeing you in here again. Ivy, you were accompanied by Bast when it was your turn to be called in. He is sitting in a chair next to you. Chief Evans is kind of leaning forward on the table, hands clasped. We have video footage from the hospital that shows you not only driving without a license, but driving a car that is registered not to you or your father's, but to Mark Paulson. And Basco's, did Mr. Paulson report the car stolen? Chief Evans says, no. Then your insinuation doesn't stand. Who says that Claire didn't let Ivy drive the car? Well, Claire has said that she did not. And also the car was reported to have had a broken window and the wiring pulled out underneath the steering wheel. So, Ivy, did you or did you not steal a car on the night of the party? There was a medical emergency and I did what was necessary to save a friend. And you didn't think that calling for an ambulance would have been a better decision to have made than committing automobile theft? Ivy kind of like shifts in her seat. I know it was wrong. She looks up at the cop through her lashes. You feel your dad put a hand on your arm as if like a warning not to do what he thinks you are about to do. I just made a bad decision in the moment, officer. I just really wanted to help my friend and did what I thought would be the fastest, safest way to get them to safety. I am deeply sorry. It's pretty convenient that you had to rush a friend to the hospital just as someone was losing their life. Honestly, officer, I had no idea what was going on at the time. I was just focused on helping my friend. I'm pretty sure if you've talked to Caleb more, he can corroborate my story. Well, we know that you were at the hospital. Just interested in the timeline. Well, I left as soon as Sam got hurt, so. Bass says, and we have talked to the Paulsons, and we will be paying to fix their car, possibly. Buy Claire a new one for her birthday. They seem to be perfectly fine with that agreement. So unless you are charging my daughter with anything, I think we are free to go. The police chief pulls back from the table and crosses his arms and says, yes. But Ivy, I warn you, wait until your birthday and the streets are yours. Like I said, officer, it was just an emergency. After this week of tension, of suspicion, of rumors flying willy-nilly, theories about what could possibly happen, an animal attack, a serial killer has come to Wildmore. Damien had uploaded a video detailing more than the police were happy that he had told anybody and it was eventually taken down off of YouTube, but it had been enough for people to know that this seems like a nefarious assault, a horrible attack that was trying to be covered up. Ryan Bishop was found with shattered glass around him from the lens of his camera that was missing. And you all have to sit for this time when you go back to school. Everybody is in this strange state of grief from people who knew him, people trying to be sympathetic if they didn't know him, but not really succeeding and wanting to just go back to their normal daily routine. You've all been aware 
that the house dinner at Blackthorn Manor hosted by the Duncans was coming up, and you thought that maybe in the aftermath of Ryan Bishop's murder it would be pushed, but house business takes a backseat for no one. This dinner isn't ceremonial in the sense that the handing ceremony is, but formal attire and house designations are required for the sake of tradition. The house holding and the house assuming are required to wear pieces of their ceremonial garb, while the house awaiting is allowed to be a little less strict. Gatherings throughout the year like this are required for multiple reasons. Number one, so the houses can check in on the house holding to make sure that everything is going smoothly. Number two, to celebrate the solstices. And number three, to honor town and family history, just to name a few. It is also tradition for the house assuming to host a pre-ceremonial dinner in order to iron out any necessary obstacles or concerns that might arise before the winter solstice and the handing ceremony. So you find yourselves a couple weeks after the murder investigation still happening, your parents have been able to do their best to keep you away from all of that Caleb, you think that money exchanged hands to avoid charges pressed. Claire has this way too nice car for a high school student. And Sawyer, your parents have continued to threaten to remove your door from its hinges. Sawyer, you kind of walk down the stairs in your house and you hear your dad say, I'll carry her, Ellie. We don't need to get the stroller out for a five-minute walk. And your dad picks up Annabelle. She has been decked out in a lavender dress with more frills than necessary. She looks like one of the little kids is a pageant minus the makeup. Your dad is wearing a white collared shirt underneath a royal purple sweater. His suit jacket is gray, as are his striped slacks. His hair has started to gray, but he hasn't lost any of it. You saw him before cleaning up his five o'clock shadow and leaving the goatee that you've never seen him without for your entire life. It's always trimmed close to his face. Your mom comes down the hall in heels too tall and skinny for any occasion in a dress with a pencil skirt and skinny straps that matches the color of your father's sweater. Your mother turns to look at you and says, oh, Sweetheart, you look so spiffy. Let me, let me just straighten that out for you, though. Uh, uh thanks, Mom. And I'm probably wearing something very similar to my father, maybe just a little bit bigger than it should be for me. I'd probably have some sort of tie that looks like a bowling floor alley. She leans in and you hear her like, <laughs> sniff. S sniff away. I haven't, we've literally, I've talked, we've talked about it. I haven't. Until I feel comfortable, I will continue to check. Drug test me for all you want. And I'll walk over to my dad. <sighs> I can watch her if you guys don't want to tonight. Oh, it will be fine. We will all be gathered together as it is. We will all have an eye on her. I'll give a little nux and be like, what's up, little dude? She comes in a little hard and hits uh, your fingers with her knuckles. Oh my god. Ah. You're getting pretty darn strong. 50 push-ups every morning. Uh-huh. I saw the guy on the commercial. He did it. Well, honestly, keep doing that. Maybe you'll be as strong as Ivy one day. That'd be cool. So, um, is there anything that I should know for tonight? Like, I know be on my best behavior, but should I just be silent? What do you guys need from me? 
Well, we are pretty much there to just listen, observe what the decisions of House Duncan and House Moore are going to be, and to help facilitate an easy handover when that time comes. This isn't uh, the most exciting time for you, since it is not your turn. Sora scratches the back of his head. It's still just, things are a little... It's gonna be, oh man, a fun, fun night. I am sure that we will have no idea what to expect, as Gabriel and Bast always put on a show. Yeah, the Duncans are the best. Your mother is grabbing a purse and throwing some things inside of it and says, I just think that they don't need to go as overboard as they go. It's truly ridiculous. We've been doing this for years. Yeah, but don't you think it is like kind of fun that they spice it up? She closes her purse and there's a moment where it seems that she is trying to center herself. And then she turns around and she says, with this sweet, sweet smile on her face, I find having a cocktail poolside is just as fun. Yeah, that's, that's fun too. Well, not for me, because I'm sober, and I point at both my parents, and you can test that. And your dad says, I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest anything to your mother that you don't want to happen. Seriously, like, just test me. Like, I've been, I've, I've been good, like, since it's all been clean. We were just really worried about you that evening, Sawyer, and you called me, and you did not sound okay, and then you hung up, and I didn't know where you were. And then you come home with Ivy and you look a mess and you sounded a mess. Mom, you've come home like that so many times. Do I've... not talk to your mother like that. Sorry. I guess this evening will just get so much better. And her heels clack out of the house. I'll just like glance at my dad very slowly. He has his eyebrows raised, stern expression, mouth open a little bit as if there's some surprise that you dare bring it up dare say it to her face, dare think that you had the ability to mention something like that. Sawyer will do like a key motion and lock his mouth, throw it, and kind of just put his head down. Your mother wants the best for you, and you should respect her. (laughs) Sawyer will like talk without opening his mouth, and then just keep his head down. Don't be a smartass. And he kind of thwaps you on the back of the head as he passes with your sister in his arms. Caleb, you are pulling up to Blackthorn Manor with your parents in the front seat and Adam in the back with you. Blackthorn Manor would look like it were closed up for a season if it weren't for the open garage, the cars in the drive, and the dim light coming through the glass of the front door. But otherwise, heavy curtains are pulled over the rest of the windows, allowing no light to escape. Your dad steps out of the car in a deep green three-piece suit. It's dated. It was his father's before him. The pocket square is stitched with the moor crest. Your mother is wearing a cream pantsuit with flared legs and a short matching jacket over her shoulders. Her heels make her the tallest one in your entourage. And Adam steps out, closing the door with a fitted cream polo shirt, the top button undone, tucked into gray pants, brown belt, brown shoes, and an army green jacket that he looks to be sweating through. Some errant strands of hair that he missed with the gel have fallen across his forehead. It's noticeable that he tried to cover the sunken look of his eyes and the dark circles on his skin with makeup, something that has grown more and more noticeable over the last couple of weeks. 
Caleb was wearing something similar to Adam's. You know, whenever you're younger and you have a sibling that is so close in age to you that your parents try and match you and everything. It's like that, but it looks so out of place on Caleb's body. Maybe it's something about how his shoulders are a little bit broader than the last time that he wore this, or that he is like an inch or two taller as well. The sleeves are just a little bit too short, and the pants bunch in a weird way around his hips that is driving him fucking insane. The dress shoes still fit, but they have definitely not seen use since the last time that he had to put this get up on. He is visibly very uncomfortable. As your family steps out of the car, Bast opens the door to Blackthorn Manor. He is wearing, I believe it's pronounced uh, Shendite, a, a wraparound skirt that hangs above his knees, pleated in the front and belted at his waist. A white sleeveless linen shirt that's loosely tucked into the waistband. He's wearing no footwear, though golden anglets adorn his ankles. Jewelry of the same design is wrapped tightly around his wrists. His eyes are darkened with makeup, lips colored a deep maroon, and metal gilds his earlobes. Painted in silver foil atop his bald head is a symbol. It is a circle within a circle with lines almost like paths drawn out from four points. And he looks about as you climb out and walk up the short sidewalk to the front door. I see Sarah isn't present. I hope she will join us soon. And you all step through the doorway into a large foyer and you hear the low sound of classical piano drifting through the seemingly endless array of rooms. Gabriel sweeps in. Tonight his chest is covered. Actually, every part of his skin except for his face and hands are covered. A high-collared shirt clasped together by a leather band, a red amulet sitting at his throat. He wears a jacket with long tails. At first glance, it looks black, but it's really a deep, deep navy. His hair is slicked back and set with gel, a massive change from his usual curls. He absentmindedly rubs at a perfectly trimmed beard. This image of Bast and Gabriel is one you've seen before, yet it is no less jarring because it always feels as if for these evenings they switch places. There's a small chiming sound as the doorbell is rung, and Bast opens the door once more and in walk the Hook family. Ivy, you see this as you come down the hallway to the top of the stairs. Ivy is just as done up as her father's. She's wearing a metallic gold velvet suit with simply a lace bra underneath. In her ears and around her neck are intricate odd gold and pearl jewelry. She has rings on every finger and her hair, usually a little messy around her face, is also slicked back into a very neat ponytail. In the length of the ponytail are gold gems strewn through. She descends the stairs and joins her dads and looks between the three families. Well, uh, hey guys, <laughs> you guys look great. Thank you, Ivy, for breaking the very awkward tension that entered this room when everybody came in. Let us say that for this evening, we turn away 
our thoughts and our feelings of what is beyond that door and we try once more to find out how we once so beautifully coexisted in creating the wonderful little town that we call home. We will be eating soon, but for now, let us start with some before dinner drinks. There's a moment of further tension and silence, and then Gabriel kind of swoops over to Sawyer's mother, does a little bow, and holds out an Aperol spritz for her. With the smile on his face and the smile on her face, she takes it, sips it, sighs. I think that we can do that for this evening. I think that would be great for everybody. Sawyer's dad kind of strides forward and clasps Bass on the shoulder and squeezes a little bit and says, I've been meaning to talk to you about this incredible thing that I saw at one of the museums in, and they go off on a little tangent there. It is quite obvious that being from the house awaiting, they are trying to do the only thing that they can possibly do, which is make this night a little bit more pleasant and feasible for everybody. The adults kind of spread around the foyer. There's a drink cart moved in. There's like a bar set up with ridiculously expensive wine. They swiftly leave you to yourselves. And once more, Ivy, Duncan, Caleb Moore, Sawyer Hook, and Adam Moore are joined together. Adam not really making eye contact, eyes darting everywhere around, not really being able to keep focus on anything. And the rest of you dealing with what happened at the party, what maybe has happened since between you all. Um, Ivy, um, Sam, it, it's, they're doing well. Good. I was thinking about texting them and then I just, thanks for telling me. Yeah, um, honestly, I think if you texted them, it might trigger another episode back to the hospital. They have been very thankful, vocally very thankful, about what you did for them. I don't know. In between that and the pain medication, they're just kind of... I think maybe if maybe if you text them, maybe wait until they're off the pain meds. <laughs> for the sanity of my best friend, don't let them embarrass themselves too much. You got it. <clears throat> nice tie. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't look too stuffy. I mean, I've only worn this once before, but it feels really not right already. Yeah, uh, I was, I actually, I was talking to Sawyer. Oh, right. But yeah, your tie is cool. No, it's not. I like your tie. Yeah, it's a, it's a good tie. Like, it's not, it's not like you have a bad tie. No, I like your tie. So we're standing there with, like, hands deep, deep in his pockets. Kind of like every now and then looking up from the ground. Caleb is staring small bullets into him. Just like the stare is so direct pinpoint heated on Sawyer that you can probably feel it. And then there's like a moment and he looks back to Ivy. Thanks anyway. You are welcome. Oh man. So what should uh, anybody want to like, do something? Yeah, you guys want to get fucked up? Nah, mm, uh, well, mm. What? Like, you don't want to get fucked up? Yeah, I'm sort of trying not to. Well, okay, we don't have to get, like... Loser. Adam's just looking at you. Uh, yeah, you know, maybe just a, a little bit. Nothing too crazy. This is kind of fucked up, right? He speaks. And he kind of circles his finger around the four of you that we're forced to fucking do this together. Force is kind of a strong word. Oh, and I'm sure that you really want to be in the same room with me. Honestly, Adam, it doesn't bother me. But if it bothers you, you could, like, I don't know, go play outside? You don't have to be here, Adam. 
I have to be here. I guess I don't have to be right here with this sad little trio of you. It's rich. Is that the best you can come up with? Really? Kind of rubs his hand under his nose and like sniffs loudly. <laughs> right, fuck you. And saunters away. Again, the comebacks. Okay, so one of my moves might come in to play here. It is the excuses are my armor. Yeah, then uh, you can mark an experience point. I'll saunter over to you guys. Man, yeah, so it's been a couple of couple of interesting weeks, huh? Yeah, I don't think I can talk about this sober. So is that a yes on some wine for you guys? Or like, I mean, this shit is like 300 years old. The bar out here in this, in the foyer right here where everybody is kind of having drinks. You can make spritzes, you can make Negronis, you can make martinis. There's vermouth, sherry, pastis, Lillet Blanc. Anything that you could possibly want as an aperitif is at your disposal. Sawyer will look up and glance at Caleb, try and meet their eyes for a second, and think back to the day after all of that when he sent Caleb a text that said, So, what happened last night? You'd recall that almost immediately the message was open because there was a dot 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 and it went away. There were days that followed of messages of texts of realization and apologies asking if Sam was okay, saying how sorry Sawyer was, and then they just eventually kind of stopped after about four days. You got a reply at the end of the fourth day, and on Caleb's part, there was a lot of that dot 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 backspace dot 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 backspace every single day along the way, whether Sawyer saw it or not. But the response that Sawyer got was, instead of some half-assed apology to me, try apologizing to Sam. I'm not your fucking dog. You'd get, can I get the number? The number would be sent to you. So, looking back into your eyes, so... What do you think you want to do, Caleb? We going to drink? Ivy looks between the two of them and like clocks this, is kind of confused by it. If Caleb's eyes could be two little lasers, he would have burned Sawyer's face off by now. It looks like he's about to say something, kind of like opens up his mouth and then bites at his bottom lip before closing it again and just pursing his mouth into a thin line. Ivy, you said that you wanted to get a drink. I can join you. Okay, yeah, sure. So is that a, a, a no for you, Sawyer? Yeah, I'm good. Okay, cool. Y you wanted wine, right? Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel like being a bit of a classier bitch tonight. Th that's classier? Yeah, I think so. Does it taste good, at least? Ivy, like, really smiles at that. Is that stupid? Is no, that... it's cute. I don't know. Yeah, it's just you. Have you ever had wine before? I um, maybe one time, but it was I think it was my mom's, and I was like seven, and Adam dared me. He said it was grape juice. Right. I mean, like I guess technically, kind of it it was, but it wasn't what I thought it was, and it was really bad. Ivy like sticks her bang into the cork of the wine bottle and pops it. She pulls two glasses out from behind the bar and fills it with a very dark red wine. Gabriel could probably tell you that this is like full-bodied or smells like fucking apples or some other fruit. I just think it's gonna get us drunk and really that's what I need right now. If you don't like it, more for me. I mean, isn't that what alcohol is supposed to do? Like, people drink it to get drunk, not to enjoy it. 
don't know. I kind of hope I live long enough to enjoy a glass of wine. Whoa, that took a turn. <laughs> yeah, I, I just mean that's like a, you know, like a, an adult thing. I don't think you need to worry about mortality. Ivy kind of like leans against the bar and like swirls her wine. See that on the glass? They're called legs. Why are they called that? I don't fucking know. And she like drinks the whole thing in one go. I think that Ivy does have a, a want to or a need to get drunk in this situation, seeing as Adam had come in here acting like an absolute asshole when for the last two weeks all he has been doing is texting you nonstop. Like this string of very confusing, very concerning stuff that doesn't make any sense. Is Adam still in the room or did he like exit the building? He has a tumbler of whiskey in his hand, and even through this state induced by trauma or drugs or something, still has the ability to put on that air of, like, pompous rich kid who can easily blend in with the adult conversations, and he has his most charming smile on his face, uh, just taking a sip of his whiskey as he speaks with Sawyer's dad and Bast, who are in conversation together. I watch Adam while he's not, doesn't know that I'm looking at him, and I kind of, like, incline my head towards Caleb. Adam looks like shit. Tell me about it. There's been something weird about him. Weirder than he usually is, you know? Yeah, I do, I do know. He's actually, um, he's been texting me. Ew. I know, like, unintelligible shit. Can I see? Um... I, I mean, you don't have No, to. I mean, no, it's, I, it's, there's nothing. Like, cut me some slack, okay? Like, don't judge me. As you start to hand the phone to me, I'm going to put my hand over top of the screen so that I'm not, like, looking at it right away, and I'm going to look you in the eyes very seriously. Ivy, remember that time I messaged you, like, a week after the whole fiasco? I'll say it again, just in case you need the reassurance, but he fucked you up. He fucked me up. Anything that we do in response, it's nothing compared to him. I'm not gonna judge you for that. I hand the phone over. A lot of my texts are very concerned, not my usual kind of fuck off attitude towards Adam. And I watch you carefully as you read through the messages. A lot of the stuff coming from Adam is like somebody's blackout at 3 a.m. texting somebody else and like, the words are in the wrong order in the sentences and you can't even make any sense of that. There's a lot of apologizing f for like vague, vague things. There are moments of what feels like he's very scared. And then you see Ivy's responses of concern back and him unable to like actually give a solid or clear enough answer. There's this flicker in Caleb's eyes that Ivy would recognize as being concern, probably similar to what Ivy was feeling whenever she was first receiving all of these messages. Because, yeah, sure, he fucked us up, but there's always a part of both of us that is going to worry. As I continue to flip through it, the messages are so concerning and so strange. And even though I know that Adam has changed tremendously, this is, like, really off. I'm gonna close my eyes and concentrate for a minute, trying to put all of these pieces together. 
and I would like to attempt to stare into the abyss to see if I can gleam anything that's going on in my stupid brother's head. So roll your 2d6 and add your dark. Six. You look at Adam across the room, and there was a time where you guys were close. You could say inseparable, even if he teased you and played pranks on you. There was a true care and love there. You thought for a second that maybe that would give you some insight into what this was, what he's going through, what's going on, but you realize that he's not the same person he was then, and he's definitely not even the same person he was after you found out that you were the inheritor of your family's legacy. There's an obvious shift, but what it is is a mystery unless it's just the fact that he can't deal with not being the center of everyone's attention anymore. I continue scrolling through the phone till I reach like a point that it's like obviously like tipping into that, like, okay, we've done enough. You find out that there are like hundreds of texts just in the last couple of weeks. You like hit it too hard once and it keeps going and you realize that they're very sporadic texts. Weeks, months in between, there was like a large period with nothing. But you notice that the last text before the start of this was something about, oh sorry, wrong person. And then from the morning after the party on, it was just a cavalcade of texts to Ivy. I kind of roll my eyes as I'm handing the phone back to Ivy, desperate. And then Ivy, like, glances at the phone and sees that top text. Wait, what What the fuck? What's that? The timestamp is from the middle of the party, and it also has come through as a green text when the rest of them are blue. I thought he was just, like, Mr. Party Man the whole time he was there, drinking, gallivanting, being the star. I'm sure he was just he was just trying to fuck with me. Par for the course for But I don't know why I wouldn't have Of course. Of course. What? Where's Sawyer? My eyes like narrow instantly again. I mean maybe it just didn't come through, but I think Sawyer had my phone. And at this point, like, I am struggling through this glass of wine. <laughs> it is physically painful to watch Caleb drink this. Like, he's trying to, like, enjoy it, but it's really tough. But he is, like, halfway through this glass that you've given him. He leans in closer and says, You know, Sawyer, he he didn't get fucked over like we did. And I think even if he did, he wouldn't hold it against Adam. There's always a part of them, the two of them together, that will be inseparable. And I think Sawyer wants to protect that. And here I was hoping he try to protect me. Sawyer is on the stairs, sitting alone on his phone, and texts Sam, what's up? And thinks back to the day after he got the number, and Sawyer is strutting in his room back and forth pacing with the number pulled up in his phone and eventually stops and presses call, and hears one ring and then hangs up it takes a deep breath. And you get a, immediately get a call back. Oh, shit. I pick up. Hi, who is this? Hello? Hello? Oh. Hi, hello? Hi, who is this? Who is this? Uh, you called me, I think, or did you butt dial? No, no, I, I called you. Okay. Um, this is Sawyer, uh, Hook. I got your number, and I, um... Hey, do, do you want to meet up? Um... 
Like, I could just come over to your place. Yeah. Or, uh, sorry, is that weird? Well, I just am, like, kind of on a lot of painkillers, and, like, my face is wrapped up. And it kind of hurts, like, all the time. So I don't really want to go outside. Do you think it'd be cool if I come to you? One second, one second. And you hear, like, distantly through the phone, Hey, hey, Mom, can a friend come over? And you hear, uh, you never ask if Caleb can come over. No, 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 it's a new friend, it's a new friend. Can they come, can he come over? And comes back on the phone and says, you can come over. What time? Uh, I, like, I don't know, like, I, I, text me your address and I guess I'll just, like, I'll head over. Okay. Is that cool? Uh-huh, I'm just here. Okay, cool. Uh, I'll see you soon. Okay, bye. Sawyer will search through and find an old jean jacket of his and just, like, take off a bunch of patches that are on it. Just, like, you know, very rebellious band, sort of, like, anarchy stuff until there's one patch left, which is a a vintage patch from the first crush an egg and will grab it and put in the address, get on his bike, and head over. You find yourself outside this split level, this small split level home. The grass out front is short, but browned from the lack of rain. There isn't a lot of shade and there's a like a navy blue front door with a little diamond window in the front of it. Oh shit. Okay. Sorry, just strutting back and forth. I'm sorry. So sorry. Okay. And I'm Knock. You wait a couple seconds, and the door opens, and you see a very thin, but kind of on the shorter side woman, hair pulled up and out of her face. You must be Sawyer. Yes. Yes. I'm Sawyer. I'm, uh, is Sam? Yeah, uh, come in. They're they're in their room. I really like your guys' house. Uh, you you don't have to say that. It's it's okay. It's not much, but... No, I really do. I didn't... Yeah. Hey, which room is his? She takes you up like this short staircase down a hallway and pushes open a door that is kind of cracked. And as you kind of walk in, you kind of see Sam's face as they look at you through the door. And then they kind of like sit up and straighten themselves out as much as they can. And they kind of pull the covers up over their body a little bit more. Most of their face is wrapped uh, in bandages around their nose. They go, oh, okay, mom, thanks. You, You can go now. Bye. It's nice meeting you. It was uh, nice to meet you too. Just let me know if you need anything. As she walks away, Sawyer will like close the door but leave that little crack. Hey, Sam. Hi. And you see them start looking around their room. It is full of posters. You see a board with pins in it. And you notice that it is just pictures upon pictures of summer camp. And Caleb is featured in a ton of them. You see a desk with a gaming computer set up on it. And you see a ton of blankets kind of draped over everywhere. And they all got like fun patterns and designs on them. And they look almost a little like nervous about the state of their room, which isn't dirty, but it's not like very, very clean. I just like had this realization that I don't think anybody has been inside of my room except for Caleb before and it's weirdly stressful. Why? I think your room's awesome. I wish I had a computer that could run. How much can this run? This is glowing. This is cool. There's like LED lights. Did you build this? Yeah. Dude, that's sweet. Yeah, I mean like it, it looks cooler than it is because like a lot of the parts are secondhand and some of them are like not as it's not very updated like I probably can't play the new crush and egg on this. I'll have to go to Caleb's house. I bet you could. I mean, I don't know. 
Doesn't seem too intensive, but... A anyways, um, okay. And Sawyer will walk over and just kind of, like, sit on the bed. So, like, I kind of was informed what happened by Ivy. Oh, oh, you mean... Yeah, the stage dive of yeah. destiny. Yeah, that was a bad idea. I just kind of wanted to come over and tell you I was really sorry about, like, kind of... I felt like I pushed you to do that. You didn't... You didn't push me off the stage. No, yeah, not like physically. That would be really bad. I would... I would literally go into a coma of depression after that. I would feel so horrible about if I... Anyway, no, but I did kind of... I guess I... I, like, convinced you, and I just... I'm really sorry. Thank you, but I don't think you have to be sorry, because we were like... I mean, I have never been drunk in my life before. That was your first time being drunk? Don't say that too loud, though. My mom will hear you. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah. No, I kind of have the same thing at my place. It sucks. But, like, we were all, like, drunk. I was super fucked up. Yeah. And, like, it at the in the moment, that seemed like so much fun. Okay, I thought it sounded really cool. I It would have been really cool if either of us had thought about, like, how to actually do it. Yeah, that probably, the follow-through really makes these things better. Thank you, though, but I don't think it's your fault. I don't know. I just... I think you're, you're, you're cool. And I feel like a dick for doing what I did. And, um... Anyways, I kind of... I know this probably doesn't help really anything. But I figured since you were friends with Caleb and, you know, looking around your room, that you might like this. I had this from back when the first Crush and Egg released. I, I don't really... I'm really bad at saying sorry... And I still feel like it's my fault, and so I got you a gift, because I feel like an asshole. It's got a vintage Crush and Egg thing on it. I, I can take it off if you just want the patch, but... They take it, and they look at it, and they kind of turn it over in their hands and inspect it and look at the patch. This is like the coolest thing I own. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you like it. I... Jean jackets are like really cool. They are so cool. Yeah, and like I'd, I've never had a jean jacket before, and I, and maybe that would be really cool to wear. Like I have these cool like like blue and pink and purple like triangle pants, and I could wear those, and then I could wear this jean jacket on like top of something else that I'll have to figure out later. That's literally like the coolest outfit ever. You could do like a, some sort of like a do you have like vintage tees or like old do you have like a old like retro game shirt no i have a, a i have a shirt that is like really th old and thin and it's like it's like uh you can't really read what it says anymore but it's like full of signatures of people from camp when i was eight hmm that's kind of cool honestly but it's yellow i think it would clash okay the shirt's yellow i was imagining like a camp i like a camp shirt, I feel like I always have those yellow pit stains. That was initially what I was thinking of, which, like, you don't want to wear those shirts. Oh, I mean, we were a coding camp, so I don't <laughs> oh. think that I sweat a lot when I... Well, that's incorrect. Sometimes it gets really intense, and, like, the computer's really hot, and you kind of sweat a little bit. So, you went to a coding camp. Do you still like to do that? I don't... I play a lot of games more than I code anything. But you could, like, make your own game? With a lot of hours. Dude, that's like the coolest thing. And maybe some help. What do you, I mean, I can kind of draw. Does that help? Like if I draw characters? Yeah, because like I don't really like draw stuff a lot. I just would know how to like do the, 
do the other side of it. We should make a game. Uh, do you have Crush an Egg? No. How how long till the second one comes out? Um, it is out in like just a little over a month. Did you get enough money from you know? I have to ask Caleb. Okay. Well, hey, like if you're not playing with Caleb or if you guys want a, another person over, like I'd love to like hang out and and play with you guys if you want. Oh. Uh, I don't mean, sorry, I don't want to, like, just invite myself. No, 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 I just, I don't have, like, we'll probably play it at Caleb, so I'd have to ask Caleb, like, it wouldn't be here. Yeah, we'll see how, how all that goes. I just, like, can't invite people to Caleb's house, you know? No, totally, I get you, I just, no, I get you, I just, it'd be fun to hang out. Yeah, that'd be fun. Do you, by chance, like amphibians? I got some cool stuff if you ever want to come over. Like pets? Yeah, they're, yeah, pets, I guess. They're kind of like, I don't know, pets feels weird. I take care of them. Because, like, I'm not allowed to have pets, but I went to Caleb's house and I met Jasper. Oh, yeah. Well, these won't be like Jasper. No, they'll be slimy. Yeah, some of them, yeah. You kind of just hold them or you look at them for the most part. Some of them don't like to be touched. Sometimes when you touch them and then you, like, peel your fingers away, like, slime or skin will come with it. And that's when you know you really shouldn't be touching them. Yeah, that sounds absolutely disgusting. And maybe I don't want to touch them, but I might look at them. Okay, cool. Well, if you're ever feeling up to it, I'd love to just shoot me a text. Yeah, like maybe when maybe when the bandages come off and I don't feel like a monster, I could go. I could do like Halloween. And they put their hands up and like pretend to be a zombie. Sorry, like looks over like, man, this kid's weird, but I like it. <laughs> this is like really charming. Maybe I'll like. Do Do you care if I like hang for a little bit? Maybe we can. No, like... I was just gonna ask and like if you wanted a snack, we could get a snack and we could hang out and I could show you this cool game that I found online the other day. Oh, dude, yeah, and then we could, like, try and find a, put an outfit together for the jean jacket or something, like, look through what you got. That recollection of spending the day with Sam ends as you come back into the space of the stairwell at Blackthorn Manor. I suppose we've held off as long as we can. I hear rumblings of the young Moore's stomach. I fear what will happen if we don't feed him. Bast winks at Caleb. We would be remiss to comment that we are disappointed that Sarah decided not to make an appearance. Seeing as she is the one involved in the handing ceremony with Ivy, it was only proper for her to be here. Sarah is her own woman. As you know very well, we are not her keepers. I disagree, Bast says with a sickly sweet smile on his face. But... Let us eat. Directs everybody into the dining room. It is a beautifully decorated space. The table is set with actual crystal and gold. From another doorway in the dining room walks a woman with short black hair and a tightly fitted white chef's jacket. And Bass says, Dinner this evening is a special treat. We want to welcome Sabine Bertillon, an up-and-coming artist in the Paris cuisine scene. Our dear friend Eleanor recommended her, and we couldn't be happier. It is a pleasure 
I have been asked to prepare the formal seven-course French dinner. The first course you have just finished, l'apertif. We now move to l'entrée, rather the appetizer for the evening. Today you will be having a lobster bisque. And as she says this, three waiters enter the room, setting dishes in front of each place, setting, please, uh, sit, enjoy. And she leaves the room and Bass says, yes, please sit. Everybody kind of has an idea of where their place is at the table. Bast and Gabriel take up either end of it. Your family spread out alongside in their uh, designated seats that are based off of who is handing over the artifact, who is receiving. This unfortunately puts Adam right across the table from Ivy and right next to Sawyer. Caleb, you are kind of diagonal from your brother on the same side as Ivy, but between you and Ivy is your mom. Gabriel picks up a spoon and kind of clinks against his plate and he begins to eat. And everybody kind of, for a few moments of silence, tastes the food. It is wonderful that we get to see Annabelle again. It has been a while and she is growing up so quickly. Sawyer, what's it like being such an older brother? Uh, it's like... Uh, pretty awesome. I mean, I she's the best. Sawyer! So I'll just point over a finger and smile. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty sweet, honestly. I was worried at first, but, like, she's the coolest, so. Ivy looks over at Sawyer and says, I bet you do a great job of protecting her. Sawyer will, like, furrow his brows, confused. Yeah, I try my best. Ivy managed to fill up her glass before entering the dining hall and she glares over the rim as she takes a long sip and gently sets her glass down in front of her again. Yeah, do you ever, I don't know, question boundaries of something like that? Because obviously you want to keep your sister safe, but she also has to make her own decisions. How would you deal with something like that? Well, she's like not old enough to make her own decisions yet, so... I would definitely, like, right now, I don't even, uh, I don't know. I'd probably try and do what's best for her. Sawyer's dad cuts in. I would think that, uh, once uh, Annabelle's a little bit older, that Sawyer would, uh, back, back her up in the choices that she makes. Because he's that kind of guy and nods at you as if, like, he stepped in and said the exact right thing. Sawyer's just, like, looking at his food and looking at everybody like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> Ivy, like, laughs into her wine glass, but it's pretty humorless. Yes, yeah, we would think that of Sawyer. Sawyer scratches his head. I, I, I guess I, uh, I have a question, he continues. Caleb, we haven't seen much of you in a while, and just how are you doing being back in town? Um, uh, I'm, uh, doing well. I'm, uh, I, like look to my mom for reassurance again. It has like a quizzical look on her face. I realize how embarrassing it is to be at this table being asked a question, looking at my mom for the answer, and immediately try and cover it up. I'm uh, doing very well in my classes, and uh, making friends, and I'm good. <clears throat> I'm good. Thank you. Well, it's gotta be a lot easier uh, coming to, I mean, it's a new school, but old friends with uh, Ivy and Sawyer there with you. I think uh, if I didn't miss here, you guys are all in the same homeroom together? 
Yes. We are in the room together. Yes. Every day. Every day. (laughs) Bless you, Sawyer. Thanks. Adam kind of grunts out, I just forget about me, I guess. Sawyer's dad says, you're in homeroom with them as well. I must have missed that. Caleb makes himself very busy with his food. (laughs) Ivy looks over. Oh, yeah. Adam is in our homeroom, but Adam just has, you know, so many friends. Sometimes we don't get to hang out with him as much. And Adam kind of straightens up in his seat a little bit. I like to pick and choose my company depending on the day of the week, and I find myself drawn to other people, looking directly into Ivy's eyes. It's kind of like this dinner. We come together every so often. We know that we are going to have a grand dinner and that we know a lot about one another. We find ourselves struggling with this inane small talk. Well, I think, um, Sawyer's mom pipes up. I, I think that the, uh, the kids would probably prefer to talk amongst themselves. Sharon, why don't you move over? I'm fine, mom. I, we don't, no, no, that's fine. I'm, I'm fine. I'm, it, this is, this is a perfect spot. You don't need to move. You don't need to move. I mean, I am sitting in for yeah, and you're doing great. Sarah, but Bess says, I think we can make an exception one time. Just, you can switch, no problem. As your mother kind of like swoops down a little bit to like move seats, just whispers in your ear, oh I'm sorry. Just switches to the opposite side, so you are now next to Ivy. The plates are whisked away as everyone finishes, and new ones are set down. Sabine comes back in and says... For the third course, we have uh, Simone a Loise. It's a grilled salmon in a creamy, rich sorrel sauce, and it is paired perfectly with Chardonnay or rye whiskey. The parents kind of devolve into talking about work. You hear Caleb's mom start talking about her firm. Gabriel is loudly boasting about the Galleria. William is discussing this idea, a new business venture that he had apparently started talking with Bast about beforehand about trying to repurpose the old factories at the south side of town. And as soon as the plates are set down, Adam pushes his chair away from the table and just says, if you would please excuse me for a moment. This breaks Gabriel from his conversation and he says, oh, now little more, don't go too far. And they kind of go back and as Adam leaves the room back into the foyer. Sawyer's just like watching Adam as he leaves. Caleb leans into Ivy, watching Adam walk away and rolling his eyes. He has to make a grand exit now, really? I think he'd wilt up and die if the attention wasn't on him 24-7. Sawyer, you feel your phone vibrate. Sawyer is in his drink the whole time, like, so that he doesn't have to speak. He's just, like, slowly sipping and tipping the glass back and picks up his phone. It's a text from Natalie. I hope your dinner's going well and you think back to the day at school when school started up again she had found you in the hallway pulled you in a little alcove and had said i need to talk to you about something oh yeah i don't think we should talk here like in school or just like right in the hallway but i just oh okay it's just important and like i can meet you after school if you want i just i don't i i just have your instagram and i i don't I'm not really good at communicating through that. If you just want to tell me where to, to meet me somewhere or like if we can just exchange numbers so you can text me where to meet, I just- Sure, yeah, you can have my number. Okay. Should I be like worried? 
Are you okay? I will be. I I just need to talk to you. So can we like meet after school? Um, yeah, let's meet up after school. Just text me. I mean, I'll just I usually hang around the front and like skate around a little bit. Okay. Yeah. But okay. Just like text me or call me. Okay. Um. Yeah. Uh, thank, thank you, sorry. Um, and she like just darts out of the alcove and down the hallway. The rest of the day, Sawyer is like shitting bricks. His stomach is turned. He's just like, what the fuck could she possibly fucking talk to me about? Does she like me? Does she hate me? What does she have on me? Like terrified the rest of the day and is sh- like shivering in classes. You get a text at the end of that day that just says, um, I'll come find you outside of school. Cool. Sweating. As, like, everybody's kind of exiting the building, you see her, and she, like, looks around a little bit and finds your eyes and comes over to you and just says, uh, can we just, like, walk and talk? Uh, just, like, I doesn't, we don't have to walk anywhere in particular, I just, I just want to kind of be walking. Sure, yeah. And, sorry, we'll pick up the longboard. You exit through, like, the school property and out kind of down the street. She's fidgeting, kind of quiet for a couple minutes that are very, very long. What's up? I'm going to say something really crazy, okay? Okay. And I'm telling you because I saw something and I just... (sighs) Sawyer's heart is... (laughs) I wasn't really at the party. I was like there for a second and then I left right away. I didn't really want to go anyway. I had had like... Ivy and I were like just in a weird spot. Just something had happened and... um. But I said I would see her at the party, so I went, and then I did see her at the party, but she was kind of with you. Uh-huh. Um, and I just, I'm asking this question because kind of the same thing happened with me and her. And she, like, won't talk to me, and it's a lot to deal with. What? What same thing? She kind of, oh, this sounds so crazy. Okay, this sounds so crazy. Please don't make me feel crazy. He's looking at her like she's crazy. <laughs> I saw her... I saw her bite you. All the blood just leaves his face. You saw her bite me? Yeah. And that happened to you? Yeah. Oh, well, you know, I don't I don't think you're crazy. I mean, no, no. She just has this thing. She just, you know, ever since forever, you know, she just like nibbles the people she cares about. No, no, no. Not not like that. You don't mean like that? No, she does do that. But that's not what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. I'm talking about when, um, oh, fuck, this sounds so fucking stupid. I can't believe I'm saying this out loud. Ivy, mm. When she, like, drinks your blood. She does what? Sorry, I fucking saw it. And she did it to me, too. <laughs> well, she didn't. Okay, so she, well, I mean, what, 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 what's the, what's the point of this? Well, I... I was hanging out with her before the party that day, and it happened, and then she got all weird and, like, kicked me out, and then hasn't responded to my texts or really talked to me at all since. But then when I saw it with you, I was like, oh, okay, so it's not, like, a special thing. After she did it with you, she didn't push you away. You guys danced. Wait, do you like Ivy? What? Do you like Ivy? I'm sorry, I shouldn't be, t- I'm trying to talk to her about it, but she won't talk to me, and you're like, you are like, have the same experience, and so I just thought I could talk to you about it. Ivy is an, she's an interesting one. We're all just trying to figure out who we are, and what we like, and, um, do you want to, like, go do something? You're, like, really unconcerned about the fact that you're our mutual friend. Drinks blood? Well, yeah. I don't know, I just... I don't, I didn't, I don't remember that the same way that maybe like you saw 
but like I'm let, like let's go hang out because I want to hear more. Okay. Um. Sure. Or do you not want to hang out? Well, it's not that. I'm just like really confused about a lot of sh- stuff. Me too. I mean. Do you like Ivy? Hmm. Yeah, she's my best friend. I'm just a little bit confused because of a conversation. That night was very strange. You know what always helps me um, with like clearing my head? This right here. And I'll hold up the longboard. You ever tried this? <laughs> no. Do you want to try? Uh. Come on, it'll be cool. And I'll put it down. Like when I put it down, like a drop of sweat just like falls onto the, the longboard. <sighs> it gets back up. Come on, I'll hold your hands. She reaches out and puts her hands in your hands and like hesitantly, nervously steps on the longboard. And she's like, how are you supposed to balance on this thing with like one foot? So, okay, yeah, your feet are both facing the same way. Turn one, like, yeah, turn it that way. Okay. Okay, but don't push off. I'm just going to like pull you along at first. That's how I started. Actually, I started on my butt, like, and then I would go on my butt and like hold on to the sides and go down long hills. Maybe that would be like a better, maybe I should start on my butt. Do you want to do that? Okay, hold on. Get off for a sec. I'll grab the longboard and I'll grab her hand and run up to the top of, like follow the sidewalk up to the top of this hill. I'll set it at the top of the, the crest of this hill. Okay, so you get on the front and this is an Apex 40, so it's pretty big. So I'll get on the back and then we can go down together. There's nothing to hold on to. You just hold on to the, you, here. Just sit down and then I'll situate myself so that you're like locked in. And she does. She sits down and her arms are kind of held out awkwardly because she like doesn't know where to put them. Sawyer will will sit down and put one of his legs over one of her legs in the front and kind of lock it down. Just keep your legs on the front little dip here. And then the other one will be hovering over the side of the sidewalk to stop momentum. And then just you can either you hold on to me or you can hold on to to the board. One hand, like, kind of grasps over your leg that's around her, and then the other one grasps onto the side of the, the board. Okay, you ready? Um, no, but I don't think that I have a choice right All now. All right, go! She lets out a wild shriek as the board picks up speed, and you race down this hill. The text in front of you reads, I hope your dinner's going alright. It's going great. Wanna meet up later? Yeah, I think I can do that. Wish I could sneak out of here. She likes that one. And then it says, I think that would make you look bad. Oh, it definitely would. It's super awkward. Sends a gif of like somebody basically just like writhing around in a straitjacket. Adam comes back into the room. His eyes are blown out and he takes his seat next to Sawyer and kind of scooches the chair like a little bit closer to you than to the individual next to him. Hey, Adam. I'm not really a salmon guy. So I didn't think I'd miss this one. The waiters kind of swoop in at that moment and clear the plates. Sabine comes back to me and says, uh, Le plat principal is next. Uh, we're doing a La Blanquette de Vaux, which is a vieux ragout, where nothing is browned. And they set down this like almost kind of like a thick, uh, sauced white dish down. And uh, if you are continuing on with your Chardonnay, that works best here. Adam kind of is looking at you, Ivy, but picks up a fork and stabs a piece of veal and puts it in his mouth and just stares at you the whole time. Ivy stares back, definitely clocks that his eyes are, that he's fucked up. Ivy's not entirely sober. 
she was supposed to feed today. She couldn't think of who to ask. She obviously couldn't ask Natalie, and she didn't really feel like reaching out to Sawyer. So it's been a few days, and her tolerance for other substances has gone down. So by her third glass, she's a little tipsy. She like leans forward on her elbows and just stares really openly at Adam. What? You might want to slow down their eyes. Me? I don't know. Maybe you should go look in a mirror. You look a little tired. Kind of purses his lips with a sneer and leans back in his seat. Yeah. Can't sleep much lately. I guess I understand why I've been getting texts from you at four o'clock in the fucking morning then. A flash of anger across his face. Oh, did you not want me to tell people about that? Oh, sorry. It's a little much for you to hide me, Adam, at this point. Especially in present company. I have been called a lot of shitty things lately by you in particular. And you know what? I'll own up to it. I'll take the asshole name. But you know what, Ivy? I didn't expect you to be so fucking callous. Whatever sympathy you knew how to wield you've lost... I guess that's what happens when you turn away from maybe your humanity a little bit, huh? Caleb barks out a laugh so startling. Excuse me, um, I was just conversation so riveting at the table. Everybody at this table can see Adam and Ivy locked eyes across, like both kind of leaning into one another across this table. Looking straight at you, Adam says, well, best. Gabriel, you really know how to raise him. And tosses a napkin down, shoves the chair out of the room, and leaves. And you hear the front door slam. I look at Ivy. Everybody is looking at Ivy. I like full body, like turn next to me to look at Ivy. Ivy, what are you thinking? Caleb's mom says, um, I'll go get him. And Bast says, no, I don't think we need him. His presence is no longer wanted here. Ivy looks at Caleb, Caleb's mom, Bast, and then she slowly stands up. Dad, you know, everyone needs to be present. I'll go get him. Gabriel goes, well, I'll come with you. No, that's okay. Caleb's hand reaches up to, like, grab at your wrist. Not tight or aggressive in any way, but just more of a reassuring weight. And shares a look with you by yourself. Yeah, I think that's best. She kind of shakes your hand off and it's a little rude and then she gently pushes her chair in and walks out you hear the sound of her heels like clicking as she leaves the same sound of the front door opening and closing outside you can hear he is talking to someone and then you can kind of see him by following his voice and he is pacing the sidewalk in front of the house talking loudly into a phone she is just so insufferable i can't even believe that she would do that i would say since you hadn't fed when you were supposed to that you probably can't hear the other side of this conversation then you hear him go i know i know okay yeah I'm sorry, I know, I don't, I shouldn't be talking to you about this. Yeah, you're right. All right, talk to you later. And hangs up and puts the phone in his pocket. And, like, leans his back against the fence. Ivy very quietly makes her way over to him until she is right behind him. And then she kind of, like, steps up onto the fence and, like, leans her arms over the edge so that they're kind of shoulder to shoulder. But she's not technically standing next to him. So that was... Fucking rude. Oh, fuck! God 
damn it, kind of jumps away from the fence a little bit. Who are you talking to? I don't really think that's any of your business anymore. You're right. So, what's going on? For just a second, can you be, like, straightforward with me about this? Because when she kind of, like, looks down and looks over at him, she, like, really looks into his eyes and they're closer than they've been in a while. It's so much easier to see how different they are, how wrong they look right now, and she feels afraid for him the way that she had when he would text her late at night. Because, like, I am actually worried about you. I don't really know what you want from me. And I just <laughs> saw that you texted me before the quarry party and I don't know. I wasn't bothering you. Why are you, what are you trying to do here? He like rubs his face with his hand, his fingers kind of flicking a couple pieces of hair out from where they were gelled back. Just so sick and tired of this fucking farce. Like any of it fucking matters. It's a mess. We think we're so fucking important and this town is falling to fucking pieces around us and no one has any fucking idea why. Ivy like half laughs. Good speech, man. So what's really going on? The darkness in his eyes takes you back to the night of the party when you dropped Sawyer off and had to leave because his parents were coming down on him hard. You walked back to Blackthorn Manor and you saw sitting in the driveway the car that you had taken that night. Ivy like stops dead in her tracks and kind of like crouches. She almost gets into like a predator stance and slowly approaches because something in her instincts is going off that something's very wrong. She finally gets close enough to the car to see who's inside. It is empty inside. It is parked, turned off. Keys are not in the ignition as they usually are, but you can smell the lingering scent of iron and blood. Ivy yanks open the car door and like climbs in and inspects it. She looks under the seats, opens all the drawers, even checks like the makeup mirror. Is there anything in there? You see dark splotches on the uh, cloth of the back seat. And if you touch it, it is still wet and red comes away on your finger. I lick it off of my fingers. Is it blood that I've tasted before? I do not believe so, no. Oh, fuck. God, shit. By this point in the night, Ivy is so over it. She already knows that she's going to have a million things to explain to her dads. So she leaves it. Once I walk in, I remember what feels like years ago, calling my dad and him telling me not to bring Sam home. So when I walk in the house, I listen for where they could be. Yeah, the lights are all on in the front entrance and you see, you can smell too, a trail of blood leading up the staircase and you can hear movement upstairs in their room. Ivy creeps her way up the steps, following the blood. She drags her finger through a bit that has made it onto the walls and tastes it again. It tastes like what the blood in the car tasted like. When Ivy realizes it's the same blood from the car, she looks up the steps and feels really afraid. She gets this flashback to the one other time that she's come home and found blood on the floor. And the memory is so painful that she forces herself up the steps 
so that she doesn't have to think about it. She would rather find out what this is than think about that. And she makes her way up the steps. Which way does the blood lead? To their bedroom. Because of how much you had fed this night, as you get to the top of the stairs, you can hear Gabriel whispering, It's okay, my love. It'll be okay. Do I hear any other voices? You hear the really, really tiny sound of a fang breaking skin. Ivy approaches her dad's door and starts to cry. She wants to open that door so bad. She wants to tell her dads some of what happened that night. She wants them to tell her how responsible, how brave she was. She wants them to tell her that even though she got fucked up, that even though she might have done some things that she'll regret later, that they still love her, she's gonna be okay. But the blood. So she steps away from the door. Instead, she goes into her bedroom, goes into her bathroom, takes off her hearty outfit that's sweaty and much dingier now, wets her hair, and then wets her face, and then just starts scrubbing at her skin. She looks in the mirror and touches the tip of her fangs with her tongue and just cries. And then she takes out her phone, sends one text to Sawyer, sorry. And Adam is close to your face looking at you. You know it too, they're all a bunch of fucking liars in there. Acting like they know the answers to everything that- Like they're fucking gods of this place. You know Adam, that's pretty rich coming from you. The way you treat people, like you can just use them, call on them whenever you need them, for however long you need them, and then cast them aside. How long until Sawyer realizes it too? And then who are you going to be left with? I've been trying to help you for weeks, and you won't give me a straight answer about anything. What do you think Sawyer has to do with this? What do you mean? Sawyer? I know fucking Sawyer's. That's, we're not like buddy-buddy. I don't text him on the weekends to hang out. We grew up together. We grew apart. What happens? You know, this is what I was talking about, actually. Maybe you should see what Sawyer thinks. Because I'm pretty sure he's the only one out of all of us that really gives a fuck about you at this point. You're acting like I'm the only one like this, Ivy. Look at yourself. You act just as high as mighty as everybody else. I watched you up close, chew people up and spit them out. And you still do it. There are certain things I have to do to survive the way I am. There are certain things that I have to do, and I don't like them. I don't want to be that sort of person. I don't fucking care that you have to- Stops and like looks around. I don't fucking care if you drink somebody's blood to survive. Like what? Whatever. What? That's what you do. I know this. I've known this about you for forever. This isn't new. You all have to do that. Whatever. Fine. That's not what I mean. You pull people in and you make them feel like they are everything to you. And then in a second, you turn on them. So maybe I just thought that for once in your life, you could get a taste of your own medicine. Ivy should, by all accounts, be so fucking mad at him, but for some reason, the way that he was describing the feeling of being everything. Ivy remembers when Adam was everything to her, and he is really close, and she just wants to help him. She kisses him. I'm going to have you roll to turn on. Back inside, another course has been served. Gabriel is talking to Ellie about this trip that he's pulling Ivy out of school for to take her around Europe. William looks to Sharon and brings up the current police case and this town hall meeting that is supposed to happen and how absolutely chaotic it would possibly be 
And I think both Caleb and Sawyer can kind of notice that Bast and Gabriel are only halfway in these conversations and that they are very, very much focused on listening to what is happening with their daughter outside. I know Caleb's mad at me, so I'm just gonna keep eating and listening and checking my phone every now and then. Like, I don't want to instigate this shit. <laughs> so we're so scared. The awkwardness sits so heavy between the two of them. Caleb has, like, finished eating. And it's just kind of, like, absently, like, fiddling with his fork, knife, napkin, folding, refolding, out of things to do. Looking at the rest of the room, looking at Sawyer, seeing how awkward Sawyer looks as well, squeezes his eyes shut and thinks of an olive branch appearing before them. Did you ever reach out to them? <clears throat> yeah. I went over to their place, actually. Oh. Yeah, they're really cool. Duh. <laughs> kind of been chatting, honestly. You have? Yeah, we were talking about, like, like maybe trying to conceive of, like, a video game of our own. Which I was gonna talk to you about, but I, I thought you were mad at me. Caleb rolls his eyes and says, Sawyer, you really know how to read a room, don't you? People aren't really my strong suit. I know. Caleb, like, leans into the table a little bit. Well, if it wasn't obvious enough, I was, am, upset with you. It was mostly because Sam got hurt. Yeah, no, I mean... And you can start to see, like, Sawyer... Like, his eyes start to well up just a little bit. I really... I really do feel bad, and I just... I, I don't I didn't know how to handle it, and that whole night I... I told myself I was gonna be sober, and... and... Hey, Sawyer, can you... Um, can you help me with these cufflinks? And Caleb, like, screeches his chair back and, like, quickly hurries to the restroom. Whenever he starts to, like, leave through the uh, the threshold of, like, where the dining room is, he starts to dart around it and then pops his head back out and motions you forward. Oh, and <laughs> Sawyer will, like, almost knock the chair over and then grab it, balance it slowly back to the ground, steady himself, straighten his tie. Whenever you get, like past the threshold caleb's hand like comes out and grabs on grabs onto your stupid tie (gasps) and pulls you forward and as he's walking he's just kind of like muttering under his breath a little bit sober to parties like look i don't know what your parents know about everything that happened there okay fine don't fine don't i mean they know some oh maybe more shit but not sorry i didn't know i have a very open thing with my parents they also caught me which i figured they talked about with everybody you're super bad at lying you are super bad at lying i'm really not good i'm really horrible with people your tell is just you oh shit by the way what i didn't tell anybody i didn't tell anybody i didn't tell anybody because i'm trying to find a good time or a good way to bring it up to ivy without ivy making it all like getting all mad at me because I didn't, I didn't know what to do. I'm not good at this stuff. I'm not good at lying. I, I, I... Is this about the, the quarry party? Because I think Ivy, no, Ivy was there. Do you even remember no, that part? No, no, no. What? Spit it out. Sorry, somebody came up to me and they told me that they bit, that she bit her. And then they were like, I saw you get bit too. And like, they were like, what the hell is up with the drinking blood thing? And I was like, oh, get on my longboard. Sawyer, you said a lot of things all at once that are all equally concerning. So let's take that, rewind. Someone came up to you and said that Ivy drank their blood? Maybe this isn't the place to talk about this. 
Caleb, like, looks over Sawyer's shoulder and then remembers that they are in the home of vampires. Yeah, no, this is a bad, this is a bad place, this is a bad place to talk about. You? She? You, you too? Man, oh, there's, woohoo. Um, anyways, so these, they're looking really good. You just gotta make sure you get it on the inner loop. They're kinda, you fucked it up here. Oh, fuck, fuck off. I'm going to, like, shove his hand off of okay, me, sorry, and I'm going to sorry. take this stupid jacket off that I hate so much that has been pinching into my shoulders this entire time. He takes off the jacket and puts it, like, on Sawyer. Like, essentially, like, throws it over top of your shoulder. He's going to unbutton, like, this. the, the sleeves. You notice it now, too. This shirt is much too small. So he unbuttons it from the wrist, uh, like, the dress shirt that's on underneath, and rolls, rolls, rolls it up so that it's scrunched up over top of where his arms are. <sighs> Okay, and then, like, unbuttons, like, three of the buttons down. And you can just see, like, the dark black binder. Now you need to tell me what's going on later. We cannot go to your house. Your parents know too much about everything. But, but mine usually aren't home. You'll come over to my place, you'll tell me what happened, and we'll... We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Without being mad at me. Sawyer, you went to see Sam, and you've been talking to them. That is my best friend. That is the only person that matters to me. Sawyer kind of like winces a little bit. So long as you're good in their books, we can be good too. You are leaning atop this fence and he has come up to it. And because the sidewalk is lower than your yard, he's a little bit under you. But you guys have been talking like just face to face. And there's a moment when he's done berating you. And you guys are just looking at one another. The moment kind of hangs in the air and you kiss him and he kisses you back. And it is like the worst nostalgia you could ever feel. It is like falling back into what used to be so easy. And he doesn't try to pull away at all. He tries to deepen the kiss and reaches up to cup your face. Ivy is trying her best to just go no thoughts. She's been wanting to kiss Adam since they broke up, and she would never admit it to anyone, but Adam is by far the best kisser that she's ever kissed. Every, like, motion, every nuance of it is so familiar and sweet and dear. It feels like having the old Adam back, because he's not fucking talking. <laughs> And when he reaches up to touch her face, she can't help a small sound escape her of just, like, happiness. She continues to kiss him and pulls his body closer to her, and his smell is so familiar, and it's all so sweet. And for a second, she loses her breath and has to break the kiss. And as she pulls back for a moment, she looks into his face and looks back at his eyes that are so different but so familiar, and she feels her eyes well up a bit. He closes his eyes and lets out a quiet chuckle and swallows. And when he opens his eyes again, he looks really manic, and he says, <laughs> You were talking about real, and I was talking about everyone being fake and lying. So let me tell you a truth. And he pulls himself up a little bit on the fence to come more face to face with you. And he leans in and he says, we don't fucking have it. Ivy kind of like is taken aback. I don't know. I mean, I think that was pretty great. <laughs> I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about my family. 
We don't fucking have it anymore. Ivy realizes what he's saying and slowly pulls away from him. You can just see her brain whirling, putting all these different pieces together, studying him, the lines of him, his mania, his laughter, his mouth. His laughter is kind of getting like louder and more crazed and he's backing away from the fence a little bit. He's just like, we have nothing to give you. And they're just in there parading around like it's a normal fucking day. Oh my god. Oh my god. Um, are you- are you sure? I don't fucking know where my aunt is. Ivy brings one hand up to just like cover her mouth. What the fuck are- oh my god. Adam, we have to tell them. He's just still laughing. Adam, can you actually talk to me for a fucking second? Maybe this is the way it's supposed to go, Ivy. Let it all burn to the fucking ground. Jesus Christ, when you become such a nihilist. We have to do something, Adam. We can't just- You don't think my parents know? They just haven't told anybody. Because they're scared. And it shows that they don't have as much power as they thought they had. And as soon as they say it, they lose. They know. Every single fun time that we get together, all of us, and they just sit there with smiles on their faces, acting like everything is perfect. Ivy has this expression on her face like she's been hit. It takes a lot to render her speechless, but this thought never occurred to her that this was even possible. Bast and Gabriel are so proud of the families, of the rituals. They take their roles very seriously, and she knows that once they find out, it's going to be intense. Ivy starts to laugh too, mostly out of nervousness, but also just out of wondering what the hell is going to you guys hear a massive sound of clattering dishes and the slamming of hands on a table, chairs sliding back across the wooden floor of the dining room, and you just hear Bast's low voice. You can hear the expression in the sound, the tone of his voice. It is commanding. It is terrifying. It is as deep as it can go and it is as succinct and as clear as you have ever heard him speak. So, when were you planning on telling all of us that the artifact is gone? And now, it is time for Queer Call. Queer Call is the point in the show where we give a special shout out to those listeners who have helped us out a little extra by becoming patrons. So, let's give it up for our new patrons this month, Burke S, Brooke F, Basha C, Lisa B, and Becca. A little special call out here for Brooke. She has been an enormous help with the design elements for our social media and beyond. And... If you go check out those little Wildmore High notebooks I mentioned at the top of the episode, you'll see her work there as well. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you want to support our show, you can become a patron at patreon.com queerpg. Becoming a patron allows you access to our exclusive after show, where the cast talks about character insights and their own reactions to the episode, as well as a plethora of other perks. If you like the show, remember to rate and review. And to keep up with Queer PG, Make sure you're following us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at QueerPGPod, and on Tumblr at tumblr.com slash QueerPG. Until next time!